And welcome back to the podcast with as many caps as a U.S. national team keeper brought up with the next class. That's right. We could be playing in that next time you see us. You don't want to see that, I promise. Um, welcome back to the Peachtree Post. Alongside Jason Longshore, I'm Jarrett Smith. Jason, uh, how are you doing in uh, strangely not outside Stockbridge? I'm good. I'm, I'm a little offended. I, I was quite the goalkeeper when I was a kid, actually. I was... I think one of the best YMCA goalkeepers in the state of Georgia when I was like 10. I, I was told to that at a tournament once anyway. I wanted to be a goalkeeper as a kid. Um, I didn't play soccer as a kid. I played baseball in West Cobb. So that was kind of like, hey, you're, here's here's a baseball bat. Have fun. Um, but I ended up, I was six foot five when I was 16 years old. So I was like, I, I want to try this. I want to get in goal. And that never materialized. So now it's just, now it's FIFA or pickup. <laughs> Or pick up. I played my one year at baseball, and in when I was eight years old, I had a baseball coach who was throwing chairs in the dugout, and I said, <laughs> yeah, this is not for me, and then went out and played soccer at the YMCA, and really liked it, and I played goalkeeper first season, and picked it up pretty quick, but I had the, I think, good and bad fortune of seeing Diego Maradona in the World Cup that next summer and I was hooked and wanted to try to score goals. So I didn't want to play goalkeeper as much, even though I probably should have stuck with it if I'd wanted to have a career in it. Yeah. Well, we all make choices, but it's good to hear that you had a, uh, it's good to hear your success story. Um, <laughs> I had, I've had a couple. I'll, I'll take like two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it hasn't I mean, all been abject failure. It's Okay. <laughs> don't worry i only hit one home run in my life <laughs> we're talking about abject failures um, I, I scored a few goals i scored one I just, in high school i was pretty happy about that in the last four years that i have played soccer in any capacity the highlight has been when my now wife almost broke my foot in a futsal game because my foot was sideways and I tried to stop running and she just crushed my foot down on the ground and she didn't mean to <laughs> I, I had to go I, get x-rayed. I don't think you're lying, and this does not surprise me one bit. <laughs> That's like the highlight of my soccer life. Um, anyway, stuff people care about now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, 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 now that everybody is gone. <laughs> hey, if you made it past this, congratulations. You're a real fan. Yeah, well, seriously. We're, we're sorry. <laughs> it's two of you, and one of you is just me making sure the audio still worked. Um, <laughs> anyway, so let's get back to the track here. Uh, Atlanta United's got a place to play. We'll go over that. Uh, take a look at what it could mean for the next year for Atlanta United playing at uh, the North Avenue Trade School. Uh, take a look at the next homegrown player. Atlanta signed another one. And uh, finally, we'll take a look at some news around Atlanta for United. Uh, physical presences, perhaps. But first off, Jason, um, we know where they're going to play before the Benz is open. Yeah, and we did not think this was going to happen. Um, every word out of the club pretty much since the Benz was delayed was that, okay, it's going to be a long road trip, and then we'll have our first home game in June. Not so much. Now the first home game is going to be sometime in March because it's going to be at Bobby Dodd Stadium, which is a, quite a shock. Yeah, it is. Um, and we had gone over this, and I think I forget how many times we've had discussions about this stadium um, and it always came back to, nah, it's too narrow. And it was just kind of dismissed off to the side. 
uh, because it is narrow. But now it it's kind of like now it's kind of like oh they're they're gonna do this they're gonna do this. It's doable. I mean, it's it's narrow. It's a little wider than I thought it was. Um, I think the word that's out there, and this is, I guess, still unconfirmed at this point, is that the grass and turf on the sideline piece that can be covered with grass for games is just a little over 72 yards wide, um, and there is a concrete strip on one side between that and the wall and on the other side it goes all the way to the wall so you've got to leave some some cushion for players not to run into the brick walls that would be bad so the league approved it the league's minimum field width is 70 yards uh there are some questions about yankee stadium actually hitting 70 yards i was about to say but yankee stadium's kind of a it's not as bad as it. I think it looks. I think the the camera angle makes it look worse. I mean, Peter, Peter Vermes has been pretty clear saying that he stepped it off when Kansas City played there and it was 68 yards wide. Um, and that's, I mean, it's two yards. It is not 70, but it's pretty close. 68 is doable. I mean, the league has played in worse locations. Uh, if you remember Spartan Stadium in San Jose and... I think the absolute worst was the old, before the renovations, the old horseshoe at Ohio Stadium in Columbus where the crew played their first games. Now, that was ridiculous. That was like 60 yards wide. This, is it going to be a true 70? Maybe it's going to be a Yankee Stadium 70? I don't know. Um, but it'll be close. It's it's wider than I thought. I thought looking at it and from everything I'd heard that, that Bobby Dodd, you could only get about, 62 63 but you're going to be able to get more than that yeah um you know we'll get more into into what it all means i mean a lot of the reaction has been it's been weird um because it's been weird yeah uh dirty south covered it i've seen a i feel like most of the negative uh the negative words i've been seeing are actually from local people and from outside atlanta outside atlanta proper i should say when you get out the further you get away from Metro Atlanta, I feel like the reaction has been more more even, in some cases even positive. Like some people saying, Oh, that's really cool. That's an old football stadium that kinda has a it, it could have a soccer feel to it. It's a what about a fifty, fifty five thousand seat stadium. Fifty five. They, they could absolutely fill that up. Especially yep. on the first game. I mean oh, that first. is very doable. To me, the first game, if it's not full, I'd I'd probably consider it a disappointment. Yeah, it's um I mean I and I think you mentioned this during the soccer chats. You know, we had hoped they would fill up the bends on the first game. Yeah. But um you know, it's it, I've been to one football game at that stadium. Eh, I it's it's an old stadium. It's okay. Uh it I I think I'm biased because I've been to other big Soccer, uh, other big college football stadiums. I'm really curious, though, how it's going to be in a soccer stadium, but I'm really interested by the press being so kind of here, being so timid, and away, the further you, you know, the further away you get, it being so positive or even even keel, like, yeah, absolutely, let's do it. They seem more, more open-minded. Yeah, the reaction has been quite varied. Um, we'll get into the more local. Let's, let's get into this, the ticket buying reaction in a second. Yeah, um, absolutely. The perception nationally was actually really good. Um, 
I think just in general, I think we can all agree that a long road trip to start a franchise is probably not ideal. Um, it's hard to build chemistry. It's hard to get results. I mean, everything is just more difficult in an already difficult situation. So I think most of the national media is looking at it that way. Like, oh, this is a good move from from a competitive standpoint. And that was something Atlanta United stressed in the announcement and in all the quotes that came out afterwards. This was done from with a competitive uh, advantage in mind of making this move. So, and then also you get into the national media, you know, not understanding some of the challenges that come with Bobby Dodd. You know, the field width is one. Um, some people are very excited about it being grass as opposed to the turf that they'll play on at the bends. Um, that's a whole nother topic. I turf doesn't really bother me that much, to be perfectly honest. Um, bad turf is is awful, but top of the line turf is better than bad grass any day. So. Paul Johnson is going to get so very vocally upset when somebody puts a divot out there. He's just going to come out there and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to an angry Paul Johnson complaining about this turf or playing, complaining about this grass as if his team puts it to good use. Well, let's one, let's see if Paul Johnson is still there at this point next year. Um, Buyout they got to pay and I know they can do the math for it. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it was a, uh, Somewhat of a joke that I made that maybe that's why Tech took this deal <laughs> to uh, raise some money for that deal. Um, sorry, Tech fans. I apologize. I, I, I did, don't. I did go to Georgia, so, you know, I, I, let me put that out there. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, that has been a recurring thing. If you go back to when the Atlanta Beat played at Bobby Dodd Stadium in 2001, the then Georgia Tech coach, Georgia Leary, complained about the Beat messing up his football field and the beats coach Tom Stone said, I will tell my 120 pound soccer players to go take it easy. So it's, it's kind of silliness. Um, I would be willing to bet that part of the deal is replacing the sod before the football season. Um, yeah, I would assume that tech negotiated that in there. So, you know, now you start to look at, Okay, the, the national media thinks it's good because it's good from a competitive standpoint. It looks good. I think it'll look good on TV. I mean, I've watched tech games on TV at night, and it has a cool look to it. You have some great views. All that's oh, you, good. Th- those cutaway shots of downtown, especially from the west deck, yeah. are beautiful. Yeah. All that's going to be great. You know, the, the things that popped into my mind straight away – from a fan experience, you know, beyond the comparison of the bends to Bobby Dodd, just Bobby Dodd on its own parking. I don't, I haven't been to a tech football game, so I don't know what parking is like. Um, I just, I know where the stadium is. I know there's not going to be as many parking options as there would be for the bends. So that's a concern. And the Marta station is further away. It's not too bad. It's it's further away than it will be from the bins and from you know, it is now from the dome. But it's not awful. Uh, and when we were talking on the chat last night, it actually did kind of come up. Uh, a, a march from the varsity across the bridge was kind of a cool idea. Absolutely. Um, and as a dirty, filthy uh, OTP on the northwest side of town, not to say that the other sides of town aren't any better or any worse my my plan has always been i just always take 285 down to he homes and catch marta into the dome and then uh skip myself into the stadium but now like 
last time I went to a Georgia Tech game, I parked a certain distance away that walking to the stadium put Lord of the Rings to shame as far as uh, epic quests on foot. I don't know how parking is going to be, like you said. Um, and this is something that they're going to have to work with Georgia Tech on because there are decks around there. There are lots. But if you go down there for a Tech game, if I'm not mistaken, you need a pass to access those lots. So that's something that Tech and Atlanta United are going to work on. Um, I believe the email said November 7th was the date. That's so when they, they would expected have, to have you know, more of this type of information. Yeah. And big, I think between now and then, they're going to be really, you know, working, uh, burning the midnight oil, making sure they get this kind of information available. Yes. And that's the biggest thing I think that, that people should probably keep in mind here is it really looks like this all came about fairly quickly. Um, you know, I'm sure it's been a plan B. I mean, I think, you know, you, any business you have contingencies and any construction project, you have contingencies. So, you know, you always did have a plan B. And I'm, I'm assuming that Bobby Dodd stadium was always Atlanta United's plan B. I think it, that plan was activated fairly quickly here. Um, and, you know, if you're just trying to put two and two together, Tata Martino is announced and then you're citing competitive reasons for, making this move and not taking the long road trip to start the season. Could he have had some influence? It's possible. Um, could he have made some requests? Yeah, it's definitely possible. So is that what kind of pushed this suddenly? Who knows? Um, it is better from a soccer perspective. I mean, just no doubt about that. I think you're going to have a better record in when the bins opens this way, as opposed to being on the road the whole time. Uh Let's talk about something that um, I've seen a lot of people get mad about. There were a lot of people who were hashtag mad online um, yes. about seating. Because you had – the idea of the Benz is that you have a world-class facility. And, you know, Bobby Dodd's going to be really interesting. Um, you know, my feelings about it aside, it's, it's a good little football stadium. But it does not have the world-class accommodations that you have uh, – that, that they've been talking about with the Benz. So – this kind of comes up to the November 7th thing, but I'll be interested to see how they plan to, uh, how Atlanta United plans to uh, to make good in some way on some of the more luxurious items from the bins and how it will pertain to the uh, the Bobby Dodd experience, as we should call it, I guess. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough because it's, it, it's just two different worlds. Um, you know, the, the smaller kind of old stadium is cool. I mean, I, I like going to different stadiums. I think it's, it's cool to see some of these different places and see a sporting event in them. Um, that part's interesting for me. For, and I mean, for me, and I'm, and I'm probably a different type of, you know, soccer fan or whatever. Like, I, get, <laughs> I drive three and a half hours to go see a game in Huntsville, you know, in a semi-pro game. So that's just me. Like, I could really care less about all of the amenities or whatever. I'm not poo-pooing anybody who does. I mean, don't you know, don't get me wrong here. I've been pretty upfront in saying that I think the, the people who do have the biggest gripes about this and the ones who, you know, will probably require some, some work from Atlanta United to make it good are the ones who bought club seats, VIP types of packages, uh, family packages. I mean, I have a good friend who just cannot handle being in the sun for an extended period of time. And he bought good tickets at Mercedes-Benz knowing that it was covered and where he was sitting would be covered no matter what, even when the roof was open. 
everything's good. Now that's not the case. Um, totally understand it. I'm, I totally get it. And I would assume that that's going to be Atlanta United's real mission over the next couple months is to figure out how to make it work, how to not have this turn into a negative. Because I think once the games start and once we start getting players and everything really gets to rolling, the hashtag mad online folks will, will not be as mad. I think it, it will, it will change. And I think you're even starting to see it now. Like you're seeing a lot like, Hey, I'm not happy about this and I, I want them to make it good, but I'm still going to be there. I'm still going to support. I think there's very few people who are like, I don't want my tickets now. Um, but it is a bit of a, you know, a bruise on what's been a great you know franchise launch and, you know, they do have time to make it good. So I, I would expect that they will. I'd be pretty shocked if they didn't. The other thing I think that I saw a lot of a lot online and it, it kind of bugged me the way it was put with some people. They, they kept going to a bait and switch type of thing. And, you know, I don't I really don't think that was the case. I don't know what some of the ticket folks might have said to people. And some ticket folks could have said it wrong or had the wrong information or whatever. Um Mine didn't, so I didn't have that issue with the tickets I bought. I knew that it was a possibility they might not play all their games at the Benz and, and yeah, bought, that, bought I thought that, that was. I really thought that was kind of a common knowledge thing at this point. Yeah, and, like, and maybe you, you, it wasn't. Knew they were, you, you knew they were running behind. This isn't exactly. like they just said, hey, surprise, we're running behind. It's not like a Kickstarter that went really sideways really quickly. It's they've They've told you that it's running behind. We need a good winter to hit the target we've got now. Like, knew this was a possibility. I still think they'll find a way to make good with the people who bought the more luxurious seats or uh, or relying on the amenities that they may not be able to supply at Georgia Tech. Uh, like you said last night, what people have suggested about the alcohol sales and the food sales, my favorite part being everyone said the family pricing, which to me reads, how much will my beer cost? Um, which is fine. Um, I just <laughs> yeah. think it's, I just, I just think it's funny. Yeah, there's a different vendor involved. There's different logistics involved. And I think there will be some sort of make good by the team. Not don't, I'm not saying expect, you know, free season tickets and jerseys and meet and greets and your own, uh, Kenwin Jones clone to take home and teach your child with. You're not going to get all that, but I think with as, as, as well as Atlanta United has hit all the right notes so far, I don't doubt they will continue to hit the right notes. No, I don't either. And I, I think the biggest thing to keep in mind here, you know, especially when the bait and switch thing comes up and I think I've seen some people even suggest like, Oh, well they you know did this to sell tickets and then they announced it once they sold all these tickets and, and that's bait and switch. This is going to cost them a lot of money and yeah. they could have, if they were, the cheap NFL owner, which is what I've seen some people start to accuse this move of being, which makes absolutely no sense when you start to break it down. Um, if they were, if that was the case, then they would play all their games at the bins, even if they had to play twice a week for however much time they're at the bins, and not worry about if people can't go to every game and not worry about it because hey, that was what you bought tickets for was to go see games at the bins. That might that, actually kill Kenwin Jones, by the way. It, it also like, second half that. of the year. I don't know <laughs> if he would make it. Two games a week. I mean, I would hope he would be in one of the first class seats on the plane, but you know, if he's in coach, 
all season, flying half the year all over the place. That's bad. Um, It's going to be very costly for them to do this. I mean, renting Bobby Dodd for however long they've got it for, and the contract gives them up through the end of July, is not going to be cheap. The they're going to have to add grass to cover those spots of artificial turf on the sidelines. They're going to have to do lots of different branding for Georgia Tech that might or might not work at Mercedes Benz. They're going to have to do all kinds of stuff and buy all kinds of stuff and spend all kinds of money that if they wanted to be cheap, they would not do that and just wait till whenever the Benz is ready and say, okay, well, that's the deal. So I, I just, I don't, that was the only part that really kind of frustrated me was this is not a, a saving money deal. This is actually spending a lot more money to do this and putting their reputation at risk to do it this way. So that's all. I mean, I think they'll do the best they can to make it good. I think once we start to have more players on the roster and once we started start getting into you know, the expansion drafts and all of that, I think the anger will subside fairly quickly. Yeah, and I think it'll be fine. Um, you know, maybe it's 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 not the bends. It's not what you kind of wanted to see. Um, but it's it's still going to be a really interesting environment. It's going to be, and this is a thing that we've kind of beat this point, and a lot of people have is how do you make this team Atlanta? And this it's pretty much Atlanta as hell. The idea of people meeting at the varsity for better or worse, um, and. I'm like you said, and like people have talked about now, marching across the bridge, and you're playing at Bobby Dodd with the Atlanta skyline in the background. Background, you can make it pretty damn Atlanta pretty quickly if uh, if you do if you do if you do right. I mean, they signed Andrew Carlton at the varsity, so that's there you go. I mean, now the varsity is really a big part of this. Um, that could be pretty cool. I still have thoughts on that, so I am don't, not a varsity. Don't, do not be hating on the varsity on this on this show. Do not even go there. I will take the extra walk and go to the vortex. Oh, come on. <laughs> I will take the extra walk and find a Bell Street burrito. Uh, no, I like Bell Street burrito. That, that's a whole different class. We can't even compare that. I actually asked on one of the emails to have Bell Street burrito vending the games. And, um, and I would I would support that wholeheartedly. But the varsity and... Slaw Dog is amazing. So I don't want to hear any slanderous talk about the varsity. We can agree to disagree. That's fine. Um, yeah. You can get an orange freeze and be happy about it. <laughs> if you're buying, I'll take it. Um, anyway, uh, kind of getting through with uh, Bobby Dodd. Um, and we'll come back to it in a second because we wanted to talk kind of an idea of tactics about how this stadium and being so narrow fits in. Uh, you could always just watch New York City as well to get an idea of what you might see. Uh, but Jason, there has been another signing for Atlanta United, another homegrown signing. I don't think this. I don't think he signed on the bridge though at the varsity, so that's kind of disappointing. No, he's 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 a little busy right now. But uh, Chris Goslin, who a lot of people kind of had penciled in as a potential homegrown signing. He's played with Andrew Carlton uh, for a long time with club and with national team duty. Um, It was announced today. So Goslin's in the fold as a homegrown player. There was no mention of, I know in in Carlton's announcement, there was a mention of needing 
training hours to fulfill the requirements. Uh, that was not mentioned with Goslin, so I'm assuming everything is good to go there. He, I don't think, has missed as many club games as Carlton for national team stuff, but don't quote me on that. Um, I, again, you know, this is another you know move for the, I think, for the future mostly, but possibly for the present. Absolutely. Um, I like it. And uh, <clears throat> from the write-up we've got, it, you can go to DirtySouthSoccer.com. We've got the write-up on Goslin Up. Uh, educate yourself on what's going on. Uh, Goslin's a box-to-box midfielder, as uh, noted by Big Boss Rob, which is what I'm going to call him from now on. Big Boss Rob, He's, he will appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to go over well or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, box-to-box midfielder, sometimes he's a pure-holding mid. And I, we've beaten this topic to death so much that now at this point we're just beating the turf itself. But technical ability and athleticism, uh, solid technical player, eye for the pass. Um, you know, he's 16 years old. If he develops into a holding midfielder, I'm happy. If you start developing solid holding mids in the academy, um, I you put those numbers in a calculator, you get a happy face. Yeah, Goslin's an interesting one in where he projects at the next level, and that's probably still up in the air a little bit. He with the U seventeens, he they played mostly a four two three one slash four three three, which will be pretty similar to what happens here. Goslin has been paired with Chris Durkin, who recently signed a homegrown deal for DC United as the holding Durkin is more of the defensive midfielder and Durkin's even played some center back at times with the national team. And Goslin has been the more of the box-to-box mix type of midfielder. Um, I'm not sure if he's a pure six or a pure eight or maybe somewhere in between at this point. And that's probably going to be the next step for him is, is starting to refine some of the stuff. Uh, for him, what, what I've seen, and he's somebody that has been away with national teams a lot, so you've seen some games there. Uh, seen some highlights, haven't seen him as much in person. He is, you know, I think like you mentioned, a a very good passer. He can link the defense and the attack. Um, The really projecting physically and defensively is probably something for him to work on. That's typical at this age. So that's not, you know, a, a huge shock at this point. He's athletic Good first touch. Um, the connection with Carlton is is very good. He spent some time when he was younger training in Europe. Uh, I know Malaga was one club that was mentioned. Um, and there were even some rumors about him being one of the youth national team players who would potentially go overseas uh, and not sign with MLS. But, you know, we can tell that's not the case now. Um, but he's, he's one of the more you know, highly regarded players in his age group and with this current U-17 crop that's preparing for a World Cup next year. So, you know, I think it's, again, it's, uh, you know, another local player, um, another player for local kids to look up to, and a guy who can turn into something special. Um, and the experts who cover the the youth game and the youth national team game and the top prospects, this is a player that they've been high on for quite a while. So not a shock that he's the second homegrown signing. Um, And I just wonder kind of what the next step is for him. He's a player that I think 
getting connected with Tata Martino early in his career will be great for him. Um, and it'll just be, okay, where does he fit in? You know, is he going to be a guy who's in the mix next year? Um, is he going to be a guy who goes out on loan? He will have the U-17 World Cup uh, late later in the year next year, so that is something to consider. Um, and in his position, too, is not as easy of a position to give a young kid minutes in a spot that's, you know, kind of no risk for them. Like Carlton, you can bring him on in an attacking role. If he produces something great, that's cool. Goslin's role, just his position, is not the same. So it'll be maybe a little tougher to get him minutes, and alone might be a good thing for him uh, early in the season next year. With guys like this, um, and we see this a lot with these young kids, is the thing I'm most concerned about is just physicality. Like, And we saw it with uh, Carlton when he played at Charleston somewhere. He just, and it's not a knock on him. He just hasn't developed physically to play at that level yet. Uh, when you're playing with adults, a lot of, and you're 16 years old, the bottom line is they're going to be stronger than you most of the time. I mean, you may have some instances where you can, you know, muscle out a bit, but you're just going to have to develop physically and you just have to get the games under your belt. It, that's it. It's a mix because it's, you know, you look at, I mean, let's look at Lionel Messi. Let's look at, at other players who are smaller players. They can handle physical play. And I think you've even seen it with Carlton in the USL. Uh, every game, I think he's handled it better and better. It's that experience. Even if, you know, Carlton and, and Goslin don't, you know, grow, they're going to put on more muscle. They're going to put on more core muscle. They're going to train with guys who are bigger, stronger, whatever, um, from now on. And they're going to learn how to play. I mean, I, I saw it coaching, you know, kids, uh, high school age team and playing in the ADASL, the local adult league. And you would see kids who played like kids at the beginning of the season played like adults by the end of the season. Then you'd go see them play in high school and they played like adults. And if you see, and and we talked about it uh, at the U18 game, Edwin Figueroa, Edwin Figueroa plays like an adult because he's played with adults in the local Hispanic leagues a lot. So there's a difference. And I think the more you see of Carlton and Goslin playing with professionals, they will start to play more like a professional. Now you make a good point with guys like Messi. Um, and I guess that kind of ties in is that they, they can be tied together. They don't necessarily have to be, but the physicality and the game experience can be tied together. You don't, I mean, you're going to get stronger by playing. I mean, you'll always get stronger by training, but you're going to get stronger by playing and you're going to learn more about, how you can use your body and use your strength and use your unique skill set that only you have. Um, Because everybody is going to be different. And I think there's something about uh, practice time versus game time about just the situation is different. You know, you're going to be handled differently by an opponent than by a teammate in a practice. And so I think he'll develop just fine. Um, I don't know how he fits. Like you said, whether he's more of a, last line of defense uh, before we get to the back four kind of guy, or if he goes box to box. Um, I think in a perfect yep. world, what you see next year is Chris McCann as your, your holding mid. If you Chris see, McCann is my six. I'm happy. Yeah. If McCann is your six and then you get an experienced eight, either somewhere in the league or through a signing, whatever, 
and Goslin can learn from that player because just from the bit I've seen, which is is not a ton, and things do change at this age too. I think he's probably more of an eight than a six. Um, I just think his instincts are better going forward than they are defensively. So you'd want to use him in that type of role. So as an eight might be better. And if you can get a player that Goslin can, can train next to and watch every day, that's huge. And that's, that's something that could be really valuable. Um, I, I think it's just, you know, the youth game, and this is what I do like about Atlanta United, is you see some youth clubs that find success because they go get the biggest, strongest kids, and they win games through physicality. But those players don't necessarily project as professionals because they don't have the technique. Carlton and Goslin are both two players who can play. They are not, you know, great physical freaks. They are soccer players. And they have to improve their, the physical part of their game. Yes, um, they have to get quicker. They have to get stronger. But you can work on that. If you can't play soccer, that can be a problem. And <laughs> if you're going to be a professional and you can't play soccer, you have a bit of a problem there. So you oh, can be just a minor. So you can overlook it. It's fine. I mean, you know, there's been some guys who've made careers based off of it. Uh, but you have to I'd, – I'd much rather – get guys and develop guys who have the technical side first and then work on the physical side as opposed to like, the other way. I'd just like to point out that Vinnie Jones made a really good acting career out of being, you know, not really great at the whole playing of the game thing, more good at the whole getting red cards 15 seconds into games he, thing. He, he found his role and it was a very interesting <laughs> one, but he, he it made it a work very pilot one. He owned it. He owned it for sure. Um, one of the comments, um, actually, at the end of the article on Dirty South Soccer, which is where you can read these things, all of them, go now. Well, wait, actually, we won't. Um, is the next questions about who might be next? A guy like uh, Okonkwa, who we saw uh, in the first game where we tried to pack pace. And I thought they did a damn good job. Um, but the two guys mentioned are Okonkwa and then Edwin. I mean, and those are two names you could see in the future getting that homegrown deal, especially if nothing else, because their time is running out with the Academy. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's early. Um, you know, if you, if you look through the national team players that are in the Academy, you know, Okonkwo has not been in the national team pictures. Um, he has been training with the Charleston battery some, so that's, you know, put that to the, the side of, you know, maybe he could go pro. I really do think he's a player who might benefit from a year or two in college um, and he's committed to Virginia. So that might be a good thing for him. Edwin's a little bit different. I think Edwin is, is closer to a, a pro type of product. I think he would, he'd benefit from a, a year out on loan. I think a lot of defenders probably mature a little later, but I don't know if he would really benefit from the college game as much. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of guys who come out of the U16 group for sure, but they're, you know, a year or two away. I think you also have to keep in mind uh, Zion Jones, who is, is really kind of making a name for himself with the, the 17s kind of out of nowhere because he's a year younger than most of these guys. Uh, and Charlie Asensio is another player in the Academy who has spent a lot of time with the U17s. So 
I think there's a few candidates. I don't know if we'll see another one between now and January. I think maybe you see somebody in January after the college draft, once we kind of know if there's a hole to fill and we have a player who can, who can be in that spot, but there, there will be more. If, if there's not now, it's not a failure. There's nothing wrong. This is amazing that you have two before you've even played a game yet. There will be quite a few down the road. I think this U16 group is is very, very talented. Yeah, the U16 group is fun to me because um, they're really fun to watch. And they're also, a couple of them are built like Kate Buffalo, basically. <laughs> like, where they just could out-physical other teams and then at the same time it's not just this brutish neanderlithic game where they can play a technical style it's really fun to watch because they can interchange between the two if they need to and um yeah watching them uh i forget the striker's name is leaving me right now i'm just trying to think about it jackson um, conway no not conway the guy who was playing number nine when we went when we uh, when i saw them at pace uh was it brighton James i think it brighton. was yeah brighton's the one who scored a slew of goals right now yeah, uh, he's he, he's built like a Cape Buffalo. I mean, for a 16 year old, it's um, so like the, the, I'm really impressed the way they can play physically, and then in terms of just that they can just go up and just hammer you, or they can decide to just you know beat you technically with skill. And they're and at 16, they're still learning their skills. I saw a lot of one on ones that just didn't go perfectly like you would hope at that age, as they're trying to learn, but. It's kind of like you can see the you can see the wheels turning in their heads as they're playing as they're learning. I'm with you though in that the 16s look really fun for the future. That's the group that will will benefit a ton from where they are now to where they'll be at the end of the season and where they'll be with the influence of Tata Martino. They're the ones that could really make a big jump in their development and the, the kid on that team that, that I've seen has stood out to me both times is the holding midfielder, Alessandra Castro, um, another holding midfielder. So we've got some options in the center of the park, which is good. Um, it's like pitchers. You can't have enough. Yeah. Castro kind of reminded me of uh, young Kyle Beckerman in the sense that, again, he links play. He protects the back four. Um he was playing by himself as a holding mid with two attacking mids in front of him. I was really impressed with what I saw of him against uh, IMG, and he's a player that I want to definitely see a good bit more this season. And he's been in some youth national team camps as well. So you know, he's on that list of, of guys who are representing their country as part of this whole thing. So it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And just to have two homegrown signings at this point in the club's development says a lot about the club's intention and commitment to growing from the grassroots. So it's the best way to go. And like we've said all along, if they can be that mix of, of Dallas with, you know, a bigger checkbook, that could be a great team to watch for years to come. I'm on board with it all. Um, and the guy, I guess the, uh, the thing I got to keep reminding people about is, um, with, uh, with Goslin, and uh Carlton. Damn it. Carlton, thank you. I'm like I'm looking at three different boxes at once. Well, Gosling and Carlton, you've locked down two really high ceiling guys. Um I don't mean to compare it 
I'm going to do it anyway. I'm like, comparing it to other sports, such as baseball, which is, I think is a sport where you see this kind of dedication and where you pay attention to prospects in that way, <clears throat> where you're, you know, you keep an eye out on guys who might be four, five, six years away. But you've just, you've locked down two homegrowns on two guys who have potentially really high ceilings on homegrown deals. And I think it opens up the opportunity for things to get, uh, really productive for Atlanta United in what they can spend. Otherwise it frees up the money to spend otherwise in big areas. Not to say that you splurge on big names just because, but it gives you the options to make the big signings. And then you can fill the holes with high quality guys who are homegrown. It just gives you more flexibility. If you have that yeah, pipeline in too long, didn't read. Yeah. Uh, it's just more flexibility. Um, and kind of getting back, um, so as we've kind of established, Gosselin's more of kind of that holding mid. Um, and I, I like your idea about how he kind of fits in, whether he's a six or an eight. Uh, how do you think everything kind of fits together playing at Bobby Dodd? You know, whether no matter what formation you see, whether it's a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 or a 3-5-2, or, I mean, you could just go once across the board. I don't care. You can line up like Michigan did last week. So, oh, uh, no, don't do that. Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> don't, don't bring Harbaugh into this. Oh, no. You're having such a great night, too. <laughs> I know. Seriously. You um, slander the varsity and you bring Harbaugh into it. This is terrible. So how do you think, uh, how do you think it's going to work as we get kind of back into formations and not necessarily just formations, but tactics? How do you think it works at Bobby Dot? It, it can be a challenge. To, I think the biggest reason it can be a challenge is it's not permanent. So it's not like NYCFC at Yankee Stadium where you know you've got your home games there. You're not going to have your home games at Bobby Dodd very often. So you're kind of planning one way to play here and one way to play there. The good thing is Tata Martino is a manager who does adjust. You know, He doesn't just have the team play the same way every time no matter what. So he'll adjust. He'll figure out what works best. Um, it's not that much more narrow. Again, it's not like the old Ohio Stadium. It's not like the old Spartan Stadium where you had to completely change how you play. You probably will see a little bit more vertical play as opposed to stretching the field wide because you still have as much room. Um Maybe you see a two-forward look as opposed to a, a lone striker in in a more narrow field. Um, it, it really just depends on the pieces you have. I don't think it's going to change it dramatically. If it was more narrow than, let's say, 68 yards or 70 yards, then you have to start thinking about it, and then you start adjusting to it, and then you start actually looking at, well, should I play four in the back or should I play three? Because there's no room for my you know, wing backs to get forward at all in this situation. So let's just play three center backs. Um, it won't be like that. It'll, it'll be pretty consistent. Um, you know, I, the only thing I could probably see would possibly be more vertical play as opposed to a lot of Martino teams. If you look, especially at Newell's, you see lots of diagonal balls to open up the wings and to stretch the field wide Maybe you don't see that quite as much and you see more vertical play and uh, an emphasis on winning the second ball in the middle of the field. I mean, that could be interesting. 
Um, and we're getting ahead of ourselves a bit, maybe, but that could be interesting with a guy like Kenwin Jones, where we're going to work the ball vertical and see if he can go up and get it and, uh, you know, put it down for someone to make that run into the box. Like, it'd be interesting to try and uh, try and put that vertical ball towards the lighthouse, so to speak. Yeah, and I mean, you, you saw it in the first game he played with Central, like how effective he can be in that role. It's... It's just, it's really hard to, to say until you see what the other pieces are. Because you might not have a team, you might not end up with a roster that allows you to do that as much. So you have to adjust. Um, NYCFC, it's taken them a little while this year, but they've started to figure out, like, okay, these are the things about our team. This is how we play, whether we're on a 68-yard wide field or a 75-yard wide field. It it works. We, this is, this is our identity. And that's what Atlanta United has to figure out as soon as possible is what are the hallmarks of Atlanta United's team? And this can change depending on if they're playing two up top or one up top or three up top or, or two holding mids or one holding mid with two attacking mids. All that stuff is, is there, but you have to figure out the personality on the field. You have to figure out like, you know, do you press all over the field? Do you press in your defensive half? Do you try to get the ball into the other team's half as quickly as possible? Do you skip lines if you need to to do that? Do you play out of the back at all times like you've seen Chicago do this year? You know, what do you do? What is your personality as a team? And that will be Tata Martino's first job. The rest of it you adjust based off the situation, and that's the field you're playing on, the way your team's playing, who's playing well, and your opponent. That's um, that's going to be the interesting part. I'm really going to be interested to see how they play at home in Bobby Dodd. Then they go somewhere wide where they can kind of open it up. And then, like you said, I mean, it's it's a matter of finding identity. And then you come eventually to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and then things change. Now you're on turf. Now you're now it's wide open comparatively speaking. So there will be change, but um. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm getting to the point now where I was really kind of curious and kind of side-eyeing the idea of playing at Bobby Dodd. Not that I hated it, but I was like, okay, well, go on. Continue. Explain yourself. I'm fine with it at this point. Um, but otherwise, um, there's I'm good work to go to with do it. With Bobby Dodd, there's work to do from a fan perspective, and we've, we've covered that and I think you know the, the club knows what they have to do to make things good for the people who are upset um, that that needs to be done and that will be done I would assume from the yeah. competitive standpoint you know it's not a huge difference there there are some elements that that you have to keep in mind but they're not gonna change like okay well now we're going to go after this type of player like it's not that dramatic of a difference I think you might see some some game to game tactical changes, but that's about it. I no, think you'll I think see that to, anyway. So the thing to remember is Tata is going to go after guys who fit what he wants to do. And whether I don't think that's going to depend on whether it's a narrow field or a wide field, he's going to go after guys who he can use in his system and his system can adjust to the width of the field as he goes along. Exactly. So, um, otherwise, uh, Jason, if you wanted to tease, I mean, uh, Keep an eye on Dirty South Soccer. Uh, tomorrow morning, Jason has information about all of this. Tomorrow morning, he'll be releasing. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say it's information I'm releasing. I think it's more of a 
speculation looking into the crystal ball about how the schedule might look. Uh, Doug from the AJC had a piece today talking about Georgia Tech, and you look at what they did with spring football this year. They play, they did two practices, open practices at Bobby Dodd in early April. Then they did a scrimmage. Then they did their spring game. So that was four Saturdays in April that they used Bobby Dodd. And Doug mentioned that Atlanta United will not play home games in that stretch. So you start to look at the schedule and you look at what they did this year and you look at how things might be adjusted next year. My guess is you see either three of four or two of three games at Bobby Dodd in March. Um, The reason I say it's either three or four games in March is you have World Cup qualifiers in March and... This past year, MLS didn't completely take off the March FIFA window, but they scheduled lightly on it. So I think you might see Atlanta. Atlanta's going to want to have as many games at Mercedes-Benz as possible. I think we all know that. So if they can push, if they can have some bye weeks early, I think they're going to want to have that. They're going to push for it. So my, my guess would be two of three home games in March. Then probably three of those four Saturdays in April, they'll play away. They'll probably try to squeeze a bye week in there if at all possible. And then there's, you, two, yeah, there's two two in May. There's two breaks in June. There's three breaks. Yeah. So and again, you'll probably play on some of those breaks, but not all. Yeah. So, but it it kind of kind of spreads things out a bit. Yeah, it, I think some of the people who were saying like the majority of the home games are going to be at Bobby Dodd, I don't know where they pulled that number out of. I, I really don't think that's the plan. Now, of course, if construction gets delayed and things happen and you come back and say, ha-ha, I was right, you were just pulling that number out. At this point, with everything that's been said, I'm, I'm expecting between four and six home games at Bobby Dodd Stadium, um, just looking at the numbers. Um, that's, that's about where I'm at with it. And that leaves plenty of games at Mercedes Benz. Um, there's always going to be the practice facility up on the Northwest side, which I drove by the other day and it's coming along nicely. Looks like it's going to be really beautiful. So, I mean, there's always going to be that there's going to be plenty of opportunity. Um, as far as Atlanta United in the community, if you've got nothing else to do Saturday morning, or if you're looking for things to do Saturday morning, um, head on over to Atlantic station. Because they will be opening up a physical store over there. Get there early if you can, or if you want to, if that's your thing. Uh, there will be giveaways. Uh, direct you in the direction of Atlanta United. Dirty South Soccer as well. I have some information on that for you. But you can head over to the store. Um, if you haven't geared up yet, it's a good opportunity to. Uh, I think, was it last year we had a they had a pop-up store up at the Mall of Georgia? That's right. Um, but this is over at... Uh, this is over now in Atlantic Station, a bit closer to town, especially for those of you inside the perimeter. And it's an option, like I said, to gear up. Now, don't go looking for a kit. They're not out yet. Of course, we'll keep you up to date with all that when it happens. But for the time being, that's where you can gear up hats, t-shirts, and uh, some of the stuff, I got to say, um, some of the shirts we saw when we were out at Pace were really nice. Like, the merchandise looks good. Yeah, and the store will have some stuff that you can't get anywhere else from my understanding. And I think that was the case with the, the mall of Georgia store as well. Yeah. Some stuff that 
like isn't available online, some stuff that's just not anywhere else. So that's that's always a cool thing. This doesn't happen very often with MLS teams. Um, when the word started coming out this week, you started doing some digging, and Seattle has done the most retail locations. They have three or four around Seattle, and they, they do them in conjunction with the Seahawks, just like United's doing it with the Falcons. Uh, there, I think Salt Lake, San Jose, and Vancouver were the others that have retail locations outside of their stadium. So, again, this is another one of those things that, for for people saying like, "Oh, this club's not being taken seriously," I just don't know what you're paying attention to. This is a big deal. This is another investment. This is another way to get the club out there. This is another way to put them on equal footing with the Falcons. This is not a you know, Falcon store with a couple Atlanta United shirts over in the corner. This is a co-branded Atlanta United, Atlanta Falcons team shop. That's again, pretty cool. And this doesn't happen in every other MLS market to have a club putting this much into it to make it a success. Yeah. And I, um, I'd go so far as to be excited about the idea of, you know, put more of them out there. Like, in the Southeast, as, as Atlanta United kind of establishes that brand, like we've talked about, to be kind of the Southeastern team, to put some more of them out there. Maybe put one in Birmingham. Maybe put one in, like, Clemson. Um, I don't know if you go Chattanooga, because you've got a you know a USL team up there. Um, in, NPSL. Don't. NPSL team, I'm sorry. Watch um, it. The Chattahooligans <laughs> are going to come after you. <laughs> Get in line. <laughs> Take a number. I mean, that's true. <laughs> Um, but as you kind of expand the brand, that'd be, you know, maybe one in Macon. Um, if you're looking at that type of thing, like, and I don't know the Braves probably haven't done the retail stores elsewhere, but there's something they do every, I guess they do it in the winter before they go to spring training where they do the, what is it? Like a, like a touring carnival or something where they go all over different markets in the Southeast and they'll have, like maybe one of the managers or coaches and probably one of the minor league managers and a player or two. And they go out and talk to the local community and do a big event. That would be something that I think Atlanta United could do in the lead up to the team launching. That could be kind of cool. You know, I think I know the Braves have done elements of it. You know, you see the Georgia football coach does it. Other, other SEC schools, other ACC schools, their football coach goes out and talks to, booster clubs and all that all over the their region. That could be a cool thing that Atlanta United could do to get out there and have a, a retail, a pop-up retail shop component. You could even do, uh, you know, a youth ID camp or, you know, a youth a coaching clinic or whatever, and just kind of tour the Southeast, like the SEC tour that the Mounds of the South proposed at one point. Maybe do it in more of a branding type of way, but include a component where there's, you know, something for the kids, something for soccer coaches who want to learn something for people who want to buy some gear and have somebody speak. That could be kind of a cool package that, I mean, if I was in Macon and it was coming to town, I'd go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything to kind of get the brand out there to make it kind of that Southwestern team. Um, I kept seeing it went to the last Braves game last Sunday and they still really push that regional thing. And that's definitely something I think uh, United can become. So yeah. that about, uh, that about wraps it up here. Um, 
the Peachtree Post. You can find us online. Jason Longshore can be found on Twitter at Longshoe. You can find me, Jarrett Smith, at Jarrett underscore Smith. Check us out, Dirty South Soccer. Uh, you can check it out on Twitter as well. Be sure to check on Wednesday nights for the ATL Soccer Chat on Facebook Live. You can go set up those notifications on Dirty South Soccer's Facebook page. Uh, jump on in, comment, make your quips, do your thing. Um, do what feels good. You can uh, follow us all on Twitter. Do you want some breaking Sorry. news? Oh. <laughs> Do you want some oh, wait, breaking wait. news? Wait. Gerardo Martino has been spotted at the Paraguay-Colombia match tonight. All snaps. Who is he scouting? I don't know. I'm trying to think of a smart-ass answer, and I can't. <laughs> Hamas Rodriguez coming to Atlanta. It's it's a done deal. Hamas to Atlanta. <laughs> Hamas watch 2016. Start the Hamas watch. <laughs> God. Oh, man. This this fan base is going to be insufferable. Anyway, hey, I'm tata, not going through all those. A Tata spotting. Oh, man. I'm not going through all those hashtags again and handles again. So, anyway, for Jason Longshore, I'm Jarrett Smith. Thanks for listening to the P3 